You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. In today's episode, you will be hearing from Brian Lenny of JuniorStockReview.com. Uh, it was, re- was requested by one of my listeners that we'd bring Brian back on for some commentary, in particular regarding Monarch Gold's um, buyout. They are being bought by Yamana. If you recall, about a month ago, I did an interview with Brian in which he gave his commentary and assessment on that. So Brian, welcome back onto the show. And what is your updated thoughts about this potential transaction? Thanks for having me, Bill. Um, yeah, so Monarch and Yamana. Um, I think at this point, uh, considering it's been about five weeks since the the acquisition was made or the deal was made, um, I think it's probably safe to say that we're not going to see another bid come in, um, which eliminates that first you know uh, option that could have you know spiked a bidding war, and I don't think that's going to happen. So now the decision becomes: Do we vote yes or do we vote no? Uh, I haven't totally decided yet. Uh, For me, um, I'm not a huge fan of Yamana. um, And that's not necessarily just Yamana, but I typically don't buy the large producing companies. One of the options that I'm considering right now is to sell the position in Monarch um, before the deal is made. Um, because we're trading at roughly I think 55 cents Canadian right now and take that money and put it into something else that I think has some you know great upside potential and is trading for a discount. I haven't decided yet, um, but I think that's what most people need to decide right now, whether they're going to hold in and take the shares and take the Spinco shares or whether they sell and go into a new opportunity. And there's pluses and minuses to both, just depending on your outlook um, in the market and you know the types of companies you like to invest in. If it was Kinross, would you be potentially holding? Is it just because of Yamana and your? No, unfit? it's not. It's not just because of Yamana, uh, but Yamana kind of like Kinross, the jurisdictional risk around the world is sort of what turns me off. <laughs> and that's just me. Um, but the other side to it is, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on the juniors and I see a lot of opportunity out there right now and in a few of the, uh, the juniors in great jurisdictions. And I, I, if I were to guess, I would say that's where I'm leaning towards is selling the position and, you know, buying something else. Okay. Another position you have in that you've, I believe made public is Eclipse Gold, which has also been in the news. So Northern Vertex is basically buying Eclipse Gold. Eclipse Gold is an explorer in Nevada. I had two conversations yesterday with professionals in the mining sector. One loved it. One called it a take under as an Eclipse uh, shareholder and did not like it. Could you break down this deal for us and what is your commentary and how are you playing it? Um, so I think it depends on perspective. Um, I think right off the hop, you know, Eclipse is a tough one. They IPO'd this year out of the gate. They traded, I think, almost as high as, you know, 90 cents or, or something around there. And then came down and, and hovered, did most of their trading around 70 besides the drop in March, which everybody was sort of affected by. Um, I participated in the initial IPO, but I also added to my position in the mid seventies. And I think the, the portion, not in the placement, I think at an average cost of around 75 cents. And I think that's where most of, you know, my readers and anybody else's readers, if they, if they were following a newsletter writer that, that, uh, body clips or recommended them probably was. And so what I think the biggest issue, the first issue is the timing. 
you know, we're at the end of the year, we're in sort of a correction mode. The share price had fallen to the, the low 60s. And, you know, you see a deal, which, you know, in, in my view, I thought, you know, if you look at how the management team dealt with Northern Empire, it was a steady climb. They developed the project to a certain size and then they looked to sell it and they, they capitalized and they capitalized in what was a down market. And they sold at a share price <clears throat> where nobody lost money. Anybody who invested in Northern Empire made money um, when it was sold to Coor Mining. And so you, you come into today in a sort of a down market, you sell, you, the takeover happens or merger happens at a price in the low 60s. And then a financing is announced on top of that. Um, I, I think it's quite natural for people to jump to the conclusion that, you know, this isn't a great deal. And you know what, I've lost, I've been diluted instantaneously. And uh, this isn't what I bargained for. And I totally buy that, you know, people who bought Eclipse were buying a company that was an explorer. Um, even though it's a historical property, they were in there for the expiration and the risk to reward that comes with expiration. And they were backing a phenomenal team, like still, like Mike Allen is one of my favorite people. And uh, he surrounded himself with some great people at, you know, Pathway Capital with his board um, and Warwick board, who was his VP expiration. You know, that was a big reason why I invested in the company, not only just the project, but these people. So now moving towards Northern Vertex, um, a company I'm not totally familiar with, but you are getting uh, a producing company that's been able to put it together. And over the last, I think at least two quarters has had positive cash flow on their asset. And there's some expiration upside. The combination of the two companies, you're com those, you're the best of the people are being combined and you have uh, what is an interesting company moving forward. Um, the side to that is, again, I totally understand the people that didn't buy this to be a producer. If they wanted a producer, they would have bought a producer. Um, and while I still believe in the people, um, and I think Northern Vertex is an interesting company, I don't know it enough right now to say either way, whether I'm gonna you know, buy, sell or whatever, um, but I understand the discrepancy between the two. And, uh, but I also do see the the upside potential in in this new producing company. But if that doesn't fit what you originally bought the comp the Eclipse for, I understand your disappointment. Yeah, and part of the disappointment and uh, non liking of the deal as it was articulated to me by one side was that hey, you know, I signed up for an exploration company like you said. This wasn't the business plan. You raised this money, put the drill bit to work, and I don't even get the full upside if it does come back with something spectacular. So. The potential upside, which is the reason why we go for Explorco's, was stolen. And um, but then the other side, as it was articulated to me, well, Bill, as the Eclipse management team fuses with Northern Vertex, there's some higher quality management players that will be able to advance Northern Vertex's project and find that exploration, the more mineralization to advance it. And now we have cash flow to move the Hercules project forward and other projects through acquisition. So I kind of heard from both sides yesterday. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that. You know, again, um, I invested in those people for for very good reasons, and I still believe they're very good people, and they're people that I want to have my money with. Um, I think the only discrepancy comes between you know for most investors is going to be you know whether they were invested in an exploration company or now a producer. And uh, I, I think that timing could have been better. If this stock, if the assays from the phase two drill program had come out and the, they were good results, 
like people were expecting or the, the potential expecting. And the, the, the stock ran up to 90 cents a dollar and everybody was basically in the money. I think it's a different, you know, a different outlook. I think the, the story could be sold much better. And again, you know, they can't control the timing of these deals. They take months to put together. And then when they're ready to happen and you want to do it, you got to pull the trigger. But the timing was horrible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the things were set up. Like we haven't even seen the assays from the phase two program. And I guess the other side to it is if the phase two program drill results are duds, then this is probably a great outcome because, you know, um, you, you know, the downside is diluted out and you've got some backing from a producing company that's got a pretty good production profile. And if these guys do put it together, you know, it's going to be a, a, a nice producing asset. And maybe that becomes something that a mid-tier or major wants to buy down the road and you get that upside from that, that part of it. Um, but I totally understand investors that, that weren't totally pleased with it. I, it makes sense to me. Gold Terra Resource Corp is a gold exploration company that has assembled a highly prospective district scale land position on the doorstep of the city of Yellowknife in Canada's Northwest Territories. Gold Terra is currently focused on expanding and delineating gold resources at the company's Yellowknife City Gold Project with the goal of discovering over 5 million ounces. With ready access to infrastructure and multiple high-grade gold discoveries, Gold Terra is on track to re-establishing Yellowknife as one of the premier gold mining districts in Canada. Gold Terra trades as YGT in Toronto and YGTFF on the OTC. For more information, go to goldterracorp.com. That's goldterracorp.com. Geographically, the projects aren't that far away. Arizona is very close in the southwest to Nevada. So the proximity makes sense from a synergistic uh, perspective. But Brian, I had a question for you. We often talk when I um, chat with you about detaching emotions from our investment decision-making process. So because you like Mike Allen and you like the management team, honestly, is it harder for you to make a sell decision right now versus some of your other possessions, positions potentially? Actually, no, you know what it would no. have been for okay. me? <laughs> All right. It would have been, it would have, I've had to sell target, I think at a dollar, dollar 20 or dollar 30. That was my target. I think I would, have, if everything was going smoothly and uh, I like to de-risk. And so I might've had a harder issue selling at, or the decision would have been harder for me at a dollar 30 um, than in this situation. This situation, the only thing that sort of, uh, makes it hard is that I don't know Ver Northern Vertex enough to make an educated decision. So I'm going to take my time and take a look. This, the share price has come right back. And so if, for people who want to take Tassocks, uh, you know, on that, I, I totally understand. But for, for me, I'm going to take my time um, and try to understand Northern Vertex and see where that upside potential comes and then make an educated decision. Most likely it won't be until next year because, uh, just the timing of stuff. There's been a lot going on in Newfoundland in your country, Canada. Would you say Newfoundland is one of the up and coming jurisdictions within your country? I know you like Quebec and the Abitibi, but would Newfoundland be number two for you? Yeah. You know, I think part of the allure with, uh, with Newfoundland is, you know, I, there's a company I in particular really like and have liked for a long time, uh, Altius Minerals. Um, I have a lot of respect for these guys and you know the business that they run 
and they were kind of my introduction to to Newfoundland as a as a mining jurisdiction. And from there, I got into Anaconda Mining. And back in 2017, I did a site visit tour. I did Anaconda Mining. I did Rambler, and I did a company called Antler, who at the time was exploring their Wilding Lake project. I spent, I think, about seven or eight days there, you know, traveling. I flew into Deer Lake and then went up to Anaconda and Rambler and then came down to more central Newfoundland and got a pretty good feel for at least half the island. And uh, it's an amazing place. And it's a place that I think really needs mining, um, especially with something like COVID and some of the, the downsides of being located on an island. I think mining could be one of those things that brings Newfoundland back. Um, you know, it's a, a renaissance, so to speak, um, from those days when fishing was a major uh, and, and, you know, oil for the most part, too. But uh, I think it could be that renaissance. And, you know, I think Newfound Gold's uh, interval that they that they released last year or earlier this year um, was a fantastic hole. And it's really brought a lot of attention. And you've seen a huge staking rush um, for companies trying to grab and use that closeology narrative um, to move share prices up. And, you know, regardless of what happens with Newfound Gold, I think there's going to be a lot of important discoveries made there. And Marathon, you know, with their Valentine Lake project is, is probably or arguably, you know, Canada's next producing gold mine. And uh, I think that's going to bring a lot of attention there and, and much needed. The other side to it is Labrador um, is a part of Newfoundland, too. And it's actually attached to the northern part of Quebec, if you look at a map. And right now, Labrador is mostly known for its iron ore production. Um, and, you know, they produce uh, like a high grade or an ultra high grade concentrate that's sold to China because it's ultra high grade. Um, but I think there's a ton of mineral potential across the island. And, you know, Voices Bay is in is in Labrador um, in terms of gold. I think Labrador gold is maybe the only one that's doing some grassroots prospecting. But again, you know, that's probably the future looking at 20, 30 years. Labrador is going to be a big part of the Canadian mining landscape. And that's, I think, very important. Brian, uh, copper, zinc, and other base metals have been performing phenomenally the last six months. Any commentary or insights here you could provide? Yeah, well, it's, it's great to see. Um, I'm ultra bullish on all metals. Um, I think at this point, though, uh, for me personally, I have a lot of question marks about base metals in the short term. Um, a lot of the uncertainty and the things going on in the world um, I personally would like to see us get past before um, I'm, you know, ultra bullish once again. But as I've said in the past, I don't, I don't have uh, my predictions on the metal price. They don't weigh too much on how I invest in the market. If I find a good company um, and, you know, the fundamentals are right and I'm getting a good discount to value, and I think that value can be unlocked, I have no problem uh, with investing. Um, although I think it's, it is harder when the, the base metal price is working against you. And I think over the next maybe three to four months, it, it'll be really interesting to see th how things go. But beyond that, we start talking, you know, two to three years, I'm ultra bullish on base metals. And especially if this move towards, you know, a green economy is real and, and we can actually do it. Um, there's some really interesting things that are going to happen in the metals markets because the supply side has not kept up with the demand and uh, it sets up pretty well for those who know how to pick the right companies. 
So next year in your portfolio breakdown, we're going to see more base metal companies. Is that fair to say? <laughs> well, I've got right now, uh, I, what do I, there's 16 companies in the premium portfolio and there are two um, that are probably would be considered base metal focused. And there's one that I can see enter in the next few weeks. We'll see. Um, but here's the thing. The, the flip side to it is I don't have as many questions about precious metals to me it's pretty straightforward what's going on in the world. And I actually, if I were to say anything, I would say the general public is not ready for what's coming. And it's, I think it's going to be unlike anything we've seen before the, the fed coming out and saying, listen, we're going to try to, we're going to try to shoot for average inflation of, you know, two or 3%. You know, this is a really scary thing. And the reason why it's scary is because if they're actually able to increase the velocity of money, and push it to a point where they're achieving over 3% inflation or reportable inflation, these isn't like a light bulb. You can't just turn it on and off. And it's really scary to think where that goes. And I think at all costs, as, as Powell has said, they will try to stave off deflation. And so, you know, whether it's negative interest rates ahead of us, whether it's unprecedented amounts of QE that's going to come on the horizon, to me, the precious metals uh, case has never been stronger. And therefore, uh, for me, I feel very comfortable um, putting my money to work in gold and silver companies. I think it's it's pretty straightforward. You still need to be pick right um, and you know be patient with, with, with how the market goes. Um, but to me, there's less questions in precious metals. And therefore, that, that will remain my primary focus, at least for the, the foreseeable future. And what's your desired annualized return on your mining portfolio for the next three years with how you see the macro situation set up 85% annualized per year, or what are we looking at here? Just share with my listeners, please. That's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Like in the past, um, like in the bear market, I was able to do quite well. And I I think it was, it would be a return. Average return was probably over 30%, which I think was pretty good. Um, if we're able to, and again, if you look at this year with the bull market, and again, that that was a really great thing for the six months where it was really in high gear. Um, you know, the portfolio was, I think the last time I checked was up around 80%. And uh, that's even with this pullback. So to me, somewhere in between that, not jumping ahead, if we get into a second leg of the bull market, then, you know, anything is possible. Um, because I think the second leg mixed in with, with whatever QE pa- U S stimulus packages ahead, once the presidential race gets sorted out, um, could be a major driver. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say, I'd like to see the portfolio move up hundred percent, but I'm going to say conservative and say 30% would be a nice goal. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Brian. Brian's website is juniorstockreview.com. Go check it out. Uh, Brian runs a subscription service where you get his weekly insights as well as some more um, introduction and commentary on how he's managing his portfolio. As always, Brian, thanks for coming on today's show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks.
The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors, and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.